There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but only one thing to say that can help you protect them. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, a State Farm agent will be there to help you choose the coverage you need, no matter where you are in life. When you need coverage options, your State Farm agent is there to help, on the phone or in person. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Rose Podcast number 736. This episode brought... Um, I'm, uh, I'm on tour this weekend. I will be... I'm doing The Tonight Show tomorrow. What? On uh, Yeah, tomorrow, Thursday, I'm doing The Tonight Show. And then Friday in Buffalo, Saturday in Toronto... Um, and then uh, for, for, for Just for Laughs. Oh, fun. And then, uh, yeah, and then more dates. Doing more dates. Los Angeles I'm doing. Salt Lake City. Oh, what are you going to do in L.A.? At the Regent. Oh, nice. Yeah. That, it's a great theater. I know. I saw I saw churches there, I think. Oh, right on. Yeah. I saw, That's uh, next to the Orpheum, right? Regent's next uh, to the Orpheum? It's, yeah, it's right next yeah. to it. I yeah. saw Stuff You Should Know Live there. It's a really cool... Oh, that's awesome that they did that there. Yeah, yeah it's a cool venue. It's a cool little venue. So I'm doing two shows there in October and... And uh, Boise, you know, it's another city. So, yeah, to, fun, comfortable tour. April Richardson's going to be on the road with me. AP. Shooting the special in January. Oh, nice. So I'm going to be doing – I'm doing some club dates ramping up to that. In January, I'll do, like, you know, five shows at the Comedy Attic in Bloomington. and then I'm doing mine in Nashville. December, so I'm in the mad dash. Oh, you are? That's up. awesome. Yeah. I'm doing Meltdown at December 4th. Do you have for, a title for yours yet? Uh, it's going to be called I'm a Person. Oh, yeah. I think maybe you told me yeah. that before. I'm you're a not a person. You're a Muppet. That's uh, <laughs> you're the opening bit in the, sh- the album. So it'll be fun. Walk yeah. Around Muppet comes up. Did you watch the Muppets, the Muppet Show. I have not yet. I'm excited for the advertised full frontal nudity. <laughs> it's really interesting because they, the character, you you'll see it. How does it rank against Muppets Tonight, which I liked a lot? Well, it um, it's just different. I mean, it's more uh, it's more the Office style. It's more like it's more not like, quite the joke machine documentary style. There's actually like a little bit of drama in it too. There's like a little bit of drama and Kermit. Who who always was sort of an incurable optimist. Mm-hmm. He's not. He's a little neurotic in this one, so it's kind of interesting. So it's kind of a Muppets Take Manhattan kind of. Maybe feel, a little right? bit more. Yeah, maybe a little that movie bit more. is a little more depressing than you remember when you watch it sometimes. <laughs> but you love watching Rizzo the Rat skate oh, across yeah. a grill. Oh so. man, what a delicious diner! Um, but what do you have on the Nerdist Community Court? Uh, I have uh, one that that I'm really excited about. Ty Rodriguez is an artist who I've worked with in the past before, and he is now doing animated sequences for Children's Hunger Fund. Nice. They have a YouTube channel where they have actual like. Animated sequences explaining both situations in different countries and then how you can help. Well, why would they want to raise money to help children be hungry? Uh, no, they're 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 helping kids. Oh, gotcha. Oh, okay. All right. Eat more butter. They're trying to they're trying to get they're trying to get rid of hunger. Yeah. Okay. That's a much better. Oh yeah. No, it's uh. I mean, than the way you made it. Are you in fact donating to a charity that's trying to make kids hungry? No, that that would be that's not charity. Like a charlatan. You want to stop hunger? You want to stop world hunger? Chris, no. Give us a check. We want to make those kids so hungry. Where where can people go? Uh, go to their YouTube channel, which is Children's Hunger Fund. And then you go through, and they have all these sequences that then lead you to different places to do stuff. It's a really great kind of educational, but also super entertaining system. And my buddy Ty Rodriguez does the animation for them. Fantastic. Katie Levine, what you got? I want to remind people that Nerdist has a team at this year's Strut Your Mutt, which is put on by Best Friends Animal Society. It is a dog-themed festival with a 5K run and a walk, and all the proceeds go to shelter animals. They have events all over the country, but in L.A., we created the uh, Team Nerdist. And you can either join the Team Nerdist. 
Are you? Yeah. Yeah. You can either join Team Nurse or you can donate to help us meet our fundraising goal by going to nerdi.st slash mutt. And I just want to thank a few people who have joined or donated, including Nikki Malmsbury. What up, Nikki Malmsbury? Diana Galloway, Hugh Hunter, Carlos Gonzalez, Rob Rudolph, and more. Is your dog the mother of dragons? Yes. Good. She, we only give her stuffed dragons, so she's always walking around with a little dragon so in her she, mouth. Are it's she the and cutest Scout going to meet? That could be. The scout and I will be there. I'm, uh, I'm afraid that, that she's going to be real high energy and bum Scout out. No, Scout will love it. <laughs> just get some life into Scout. Like a, scout plays. Because my dog is the anti-Scout. My dog, <laughs> we actually have to start feeding her more because she does so much cardio, like just running around every day that she like can't keep weight on. It's insane. Oh, wow. She, she just literally almost vertically just runs around our yard. Well, maybe laps. they'll balance each other out. Yeah. This episode of the show is Rob Lowe, who was fucking rad. And handsome. Of course he's handsome. We knew that about him, but but he's such a I've always heard what a good guy he is, and he is he is a top he is a top shelf dude. He's promoting the grinder, uh, which premieres Tuesday, September 29th at 8 30 p.m. on Fox. Uh, and you should watch it and uh, and worship him. <laughs> Rob, Rob Make him our new god. Let's make Rob Lowe our new god. Lowe is the new high. <laughs> uh, Lowe is the new on high. Yeah, okay, that's better. Thank, thank you. That was a good adjustment. This up with Rob Lowe. Katie. Now entering Nerdist.com Show today as a, like... A joke. A joke. A brag joke. All right. A fucking humble brag joke. What, what is your humble? What's in it? Well, I missed what's in it. Your Nobel Peace Prize? What's my it? Nobel Peace Prize. What's in it? Yeah. My Nobel Peace Prize and uh, Mother Teresa's heart. Yes. Good. Which I uh, carry around in a box. As you should. Uh, how are you? I'm good, man. It's so nice to see you. It's good to be here. Um, I... Oh, yeah, you'd never remember this. We met so many years ago. Where? Literally so many years ago. <laughs> I was... Uh, I I worked at Bel Air Country Club in college, and you were there. I feel like you were playing golf with Peter Scolari. Yes, I was. Okay. By the way, that may have been the day I got married. Was that? I think that was the day I'm you got pretty married. Pretty sure that was the. I know I played Bel Air Country Club with Peter, and I only played with. Yeah, it was the day I got married for sure. I, I was working in the golf shop. Or I was in college. I was working in the golf shop, and he was like, "Oh, this is Rob." And that's, and I think you said, yeah, I just got married. That's amazing. See, so you brought me good luck. I'm I, still I, married. I hope. Yeah, yes. I'm sure that that had nothing it was you. to do with you guys, and it was just all my my juxtaposition to the date that you guys it got married. It was all you. Excellent. Oh, God. Give me some... I just got engaged. Give me some advice. Did you have a super fancy wedding? Or did uh, you- my advice is play golf with Peter Scolari. <laughs> Come on. Um, uh, no. we Listen, I think it's enough pressure to get married as it is. At least it was for me. That I didn't want the added pressure of like who's going to sit where and right. down payments and ballrooms and all that crap. I hated it. Yeah, hated it. So we did it really casually at a friend's house and um, and you know secretively nobody even knew we were doing it and it was it was it was so great. It's one of my favorite memories I had because we just. Didn't get caught up in the hype. Yeah. And also, that was at a time where there was no social media. So it wasn't like, we got to share all the pictures. Yes. Someone's going to do the thing. Yeah. Then, yeah. But there was still, 
we were still a pretty tabloidy culture back then. Oh, completely. We had to go through all kinds of protocol to make sure nobody that it didn't get out, and because I, 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 we wanted it to be private, and we did. You know, you can do it if you if there's a will, there's a way. Right, you can do it. I kind of feel like most of the people that complain about paparazzi and not getting private lives, they kind of invite some of there's that. There's no stuff. doubt about it. I mean. First of all, if they complain about it and they live in Los Angeles, they need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> if you're going to the Grove. Do you, do, you know, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, really, get a life. Come on. If you're going to the Grove and complaining loudly, why won't these paparazzi? I say, why won't yes. these paparazzi let me live? Oh, wait, I'm backlit. Wait, it's a much I'm better sorry. angle here. I'm why so won't sorry. Paparazzi let me live in front of this fountain. Making which is a my life background. miserable. If I'm being honest. I'm, I'm an artist. I shouldn't be bothered. It's a better background than the movie theater. Yuck. Let, let, let's be honest. How have you avoided all of that? So when you when you first started, uh, you because you got successful right away. Wasn't your first job you were nominated for a Golden Globe? Yeah, literally, I want, like, want, right out of the gate. I was. I was. I, you know what? Actually, I, I think you're you're right. My my first big look. I was acting since I was eight, but then I came to Hollywood and and um, my first movie was The Outsiders. And then the very next thing I did was a, a, a TV movie where I was nominated for a Golden Globe, and I think I was eighteen. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean The Outsiders. Someone just posted on Reddit not that long ago. There's a there's a subreddit called Old School Cool, and it's just like old school pictures where everyone just looks rad, and they it's all throughout history of the history of photography. And someone put an outsider's picture up, and it's just oh, you guys all in the back of a, the truck. The truck shot, yeah, I know that. One. And it's it's so stunning what uh, a hotbed of <laughs> of uh, influence that truck was. Not only a flatbed, it was a hotbed. It was a flat hotbed. <laughs> it was a flat hotbed <laughs> for all the fan even, fiction. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, did you guys have any? Could could you even what, what was your what was your experience at the time? Did you even understand what you were doing? Or like, ah, we're just working. Who knows who these guys are or whatever? I, I mean, the the, the um, and I, I wrote a little bit about this in the, my first book. The, the process for auditioning was so arduous and so insane and and full of the creme de la creme of of actors in that age group. That if if you made it, there was a sense that that definitely this was the group for sure. Right. I mean, we did sort of have that feeling. Um, and, and listen, Coppola was and is one of the greats of all time. So we also knew that this movie could be big and, and probably would be, but I don't think any of us thought that, you know, I, I, look, I didn't, I didn't think I'd be, you know, here so many years later, still, still necessarily doing it. You know, you just never know. I mean, I just think about what I was like when I was 17, 18 years old and, there was not really a lot of foresight into anything. It was <laughs> no. just like, where am I supposed to go? Okay, I'll just go here. You know, we were we were a, a, an, an odd group in that way, and and I I see it reflected to me through the 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 mirror of my own sons who are just passing through that age, right? And I look at them and I go, wait a minute. Okay, so I was that age when I was on location with Francis Coppola and The Outsiders, and uh, I thought I, we were just all so focused and so ambitious and so on it. And like my kids are like, you know, can barely figure out how to like, you know, <laughs> I don't know put the toilet seat down. <laughs> but I think that I think it's a, I think it's a rare gift when you know what you want to do when you're young. I think yes. it's a weird because I think if you ask most people. They don't even know what they want. They don't even know what they want. Well, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know. I, I, yeah. I just want more of something. I don't even know what that is. But you, 
Did you did you always? I mean, did you fervently pursue that, or did someone go, "Hey, you, you got a good look. You should be in the in the pictures." No, I always wanted to do it, and and it, and I do think it's a gift. I really do. Um, I I have such empathy for 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 people of all ages who struggle with what their mission in life is. I really, really do because it's just. I've had, believe me, I have many of things I've had to figure out in my own life that were not fun, but that was not one of them. Right. And uh, so, knowing that you're just you just focus and you do it and you make it happen. And and I had it in my head when I was eight eight, <clears throat> eight years old in Dayton, Ohio, that I wanted to be. I was, I, you know, it was the ignorance. Uh, it, what is it? Ignorance is bliss. Of course. I was like, yeah, sure. Living in Dayton, Ohio, movie star, actor, TV, absolutely, sure. They just roll them out from Dayton, Ohio. It's a it's a, it's a hotbed of you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a hot and a flatbed yeah, exactly. of activity. But it's almost you know, in that case, ignorance can also be uh, an asset because yes, no, for sure. Because if you if your head is filled with too many rules, you would go, oh well, I can't. Why? Why would I? Particularly then, you know, yes. where there was me, media was basically just a few companies and only a couple of platforms, and it was much harder to squeeze through that little funnel. Oh, and also there was no, there there was the, the entertainment business was not a youth business then, right? I and mean, that's the the really the most amazing thing. Movies is, like Outsiders changed that. Though. Change? Oh no, I, I it's a lot, a little bit of being at the right place at the right time, and also helping in in you know my own small humble way along with many others of making of changing the business into into what it is today uh, almost to its detriment but you know when i when i came up the 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 concept that every high, good looking high school kid would have a screen actors guild card was <laughs> just sort of like unbelievable and then today that's what it is i know everyone's like literally everyone everyone is essentially everyone's famous in the sense that you know, you can broadcast your life, and yeah. there's no, you know, the good. The good side of that is a lot of people can be discovered that wouldn't have normally been discovered yep. through what is sometimes a very oppressive, exclusionary system. But yep. then, of course, you know, sometimes it feels like oh, I don't know. Is it special anymore? Like, is it really special to be able to do it when everyone can do it? Is it you know? Is it still? Well, special? I think in the vetting process for fame was was an actual vetting process. And 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 today it, it isn't. Yeah, I mean, you know, a, a yawning cat can be famous. <laughs> They're so cute, though. Right? They I are. Mean, Rob, it's true. I don't want. I don't want to run down yawning cats. <laughs> I don't. Hey, They're Rob, great. Lowe, um, I I own some yawning cats, and I really did not appreciate your recent appearance on the podcast. Yeah, no, I was exactly. actually quite offended. Yes. You know, these cats have a problem. That's right. Uh, we're capitalizing on it, <laughs> uh, but it's you should respect it. Yeah, I just think that. You know that period. Uh, it, it's still so fascinating to me to to have a leg on both sides of what media and pop culture was. That I still remember a time where you didn't know everything about everyone, and yeah. it was there was still a bit of mystery behind people, and you just got little glimpses. I mean, was it obviously? I assume it was easier to control back then. Listen, just imagine this. Pick pick your, who's your most your most famous iconic star of old. The, the, uh, Who'd it be? Oh, um, how oh, how old? Do you I mean, mean, like, you mean like, is, like, is it Clark Gable? Is it Steve McQueen? Is it? Oh, you know, it's probably it, it's probably a it's probably a a a, a bogey or okay, a, bogey, uh, okay, okay. Picture video of bogey walking out of a Starbucks. <laughs> you get picture, those cameras picture, away from me, please. Picture, yeah, no, really. Picture Bogey with his like yoga mat. Yeah, getting into his his Prius. Yeah, I've seen you some pictures of Bogey. I don't think I don't think exercise was a. a he wouldn't part. be Bogey anymore. No, he'd just be another actor getting into his Prius. Yeah, 
I just it, it's so funny to think that how the conversation changed from film to television, where it's like you know television got a little bit closer to people because it put entertainment directly in their homes right. and they were like a foot from it, you know. So that that separation of Oh, that's this weird ethereal thing that's untouchable and mm-hmm. making it, oh, well, maybe this is something that's a little more achievable. Yeah, no, and I have a lot of theories about this, having having worked and continuing to work in both mediums and, and the way that people relate to it is so different. But also in a the theater, you're literally looking up to the actor. Sure. Psychologically, it and they're enormous, mm-hmm. so that you you they feel bigger than you are. Yeah. Yeah, if, you, if you're on TV, you know, people... They're very comfortable. They'll come up and say, you know. I remember when, when, I, was, when I was doing tons and tons of movies and, and Michael J. Fox was the biggest thing on television. He and I were in a car together. We pulled up at a light. And the difference in the way that people related to him and the, the difference in the way they related to me, it, it was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, you know, with Mike, like, hey, man, what are you doing? Like, like they knew him. Like, they, yeah. they, like he was a friend. Like. And they they were so intimate with him immediately that it 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 was my first sort of lesson in the intimacy of TV. Well, and I and to you they were you were a film guy, so they were very much like yeah. Oh, that's Robbie. Yeah, it was a, a very whispery and and kind of side glancing and you know that kind of stuff. I know, but that's when you need to. That's when you have the opportunity to really freak them out and be like, "Who dares step near my vehicle?" You know, like <laughs> yeah, exactly. booming voice, yeah. freak them out. I have people that do that. For yeah, me. yeah. Now, okay. yeah. Did, uh, did was the whole thing that I'm sure you're probably sick of talking about the Brat Pack thing. Was that just they? They just put that on you guys, right? That wasn't anything that you did. Did when when you were doing these this this, this sort of like this stratum of films yeah. and these different types of movies that involved you know. John Hughes and all these different all these all the other characters that were involved that was just a reality show that the press was making up right well it was honestly and I don't blame them it was it was a catch-all phrase to just it was just easier than trying to figure out who was doing what movie and what director right there was like ah the, the brat pack um so yeah it was it was a media created name that we hated at the time I can imagine because it was it was sort of you know generalizing and debasing and non-specific and had a sort of whiff of pejorative to it that that we were somehow more interested in in and being f- famous or i don't know I, I don't know what i could never really put my finger on it but you, you could tell that it wasn't meant as a compliment right it was it was sort of uh i i think i didn't read it this way when i was a kid because of course i looked up to all you well, guys wait, wait wait that's the point here's what i've learned that the people who matter would have been you as a kid sure they didn't they never got the artsy fartsy elite <laughs> like entertainment press dog whistle right they didn't hear it they're like brat pack love these people yeah and and what what's great about that is is i now embrace the brat pack um because of it because i realized that the snark was completely lost on the people who they were trying to reach well yeah because i mean although you know when i was growing up of course i wanted to be more of a rob Lowe, but i was actually more of an anthony michael hall just in terms of oh my god i mean without a doubt Without a doubt, just the, you know, the nerdy, awkward kid yeah. who who tried to be cool and make jokes right, right. And, and usually put my foot in my mouth. Although Anthony Michael Hall, it's so funny to see him He's play. He's so, a- dude, how, he, his performance in Breakfast, he, stunning. Stunning. Yeah. By the way, the, the Breakfast Club today, if it came out, would be nominated for Best Picture of the Year. Yeah. Without a question. Yeah. That's another way that the industry has changed. Um, first of all, it would, it would come out today, it would either be 
if it had good actors in it, it would be made for nothing independently, or it'd be made by a studio with shitty actors in it. <laughs> and um, and uh, no, for sure. And uh, the good version would be nominated for best picture. But in in the in the day when it came out, it was still those movies were still ghettoized. They were still like sitting at the kids' table. Of the industry, like like Terms of Endearment was a movie, right? Because the Breakfast those... Club was some you know like teen thing they threw out there. Meanwhile, when you look at it today, it's amazing. Well, of course it was because you know there there were a handful of movies that for the first time actually spoke very honestly to what it what it felt like to be like. Uh, you know, Fast Times being one of the first movies that really said, no, this is what high school is actually like. Mm-hmm. This is, these are the social dynamics that are in high school. And then, you know, when John Hughes came along and really hit upon that slice of teenage Americana and Breakfast Club being such an honest and poetic portrayal of teen angst and 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 how we're not all perfect and we're more than what we seem on the surface. And these people came together just as human beings because they were all outcast in some way like that. Such a gorgeous it's such a, story. It's a, it's a beautiful movie. I mean, I wish I'd have been in it. It's my. I think that there's there's that movie, and then there's just everything else. You know, yeah. in, in that era. Was there an opportunity for you to be in it? I I met John to play the role that Judd uh, Nelson ended up. Playing. Oh really? Yeah. The bad boy. The bad boy with the long hair and the earring. And yeah. The... I just remember the only thing I remember about it is in the script he wore a cowboy hat. <laughs> so, uh, so I, that's I, the only thing I remember. And somebody wisely, obviously, ixnayed the cowboy hat. Probably Judd. You didn't show up to the audition with, I mean, to the meeting with the cowboy hat, did you? Even I knew that was a bad idea. Okay, good, 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 good. You know, I never know. John Hughes can't be right about everything. He's not, no. But he was right about a lot of stuff. He was right about a lot. He was not right about that. I can't, I almost think it'd be kind of funny if you were able to, you you should just go back and shoot scenes from stuff you wanted to be in. Oh, how great would that be? you know, I really wanted to be in this and I'm just going to assemble, like you could totally, you could assemble Molly Ringwald and and Anthony Michael Hall and Emilio Estevez. You could get all those people together and be like, listen, you know, Judd, I'm really sorry. I really just, this was meant a lot to me. Can I just be this guy just, oh, for, just for one scene? It's kind of a good idea. I could do that with a, a number of things. I mean, it's, you know what's amazing is uh, whenever, you, whenever you meet people who survive a, a, a phase, like, a, like a, tr- a trend, yeah. you know, because I know to you guys it doesn't seem like a trend, but it was definitely that's how the press was portraying it. And so to survive that, even to survive the 80s, it was kind of a big deal. What, how were how you able to do that? You know, I have two thoughts. One is the press did think it was a trend, and and what they missed was it was the beginning of the new normal. Right. I mean that that's that's what our industry is now. It's totally catered to, you know, you know, fifteen to twenty five year olds. Yeah, the most coveted demographic now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and and so is the storytelling. So you, you the, the roles have switched. When I came up, the kids were supporting the adults who were the stars, mm-hmm. and now the adults are supporting the kids who are the stars. Right. Um, so uh, you know that's neither good nor bad. It just is what it is. And um, but you know my my theory on 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 fallow periods, you know, in careers is that's the good news because you 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 have to be around long enough to have ups and downs. Sure. Right. And and um, Everybody, everybody has them. Even the people you think, wow, they're untouchable. You know, you, you, I remember when Tiger Woods won everything, and now you know he, he's 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 struggling. Or when you know when Tom Cruise was the master of all, he surveyed, and then you know he struggled, and now he's back with a vengeance as he should be. Right. Um, you know, Michael Douglas. All all my heroes uh, have go through that moment where it's just you know 
which is not working. Clayton Kershaw, the Dodgers has it. Everybody, everybody has it. So do you, do you think? You know who doesn't have it? Who? One hit wonders. <laughs> no, they don't. They don't. Have it. They don't have it. They get the one time. Nope. And then that's it. Yep. But that's not bad. I mean, you know, like I don't think it's terrible to be a one hit wonder. You still get you still get some of it. But then you know, there's a lot of responsibility to be on top for a long time. I would imagine. Yeah. Listen. I mean that, and that is the the the, the goal at the end end of the day was just to be relevant and you know be a part of the conversation and have something to say you know decade in and decade out but you obviously had some awareness about yourself with the choices that you were i mean like to take wayne's world was such a genius because not only again beginning of a new decade mm-hmm. and it introduced you to a whole new group of people and people who did know you who thought oh that's a serious romantic lead rob Lowe. And then all of a sudden you're you know you're really funny in a, in a movie that completely changed the way that comedy films are made, yeah. and you're a part of that, and and you're obviously you're playing the role that you know that a movie like that if it were serious would have cast you in. It's like I'm the handsome serious yes. guy who's going to fuck up everything in your life, but you played with that. So you know, did, did you acquire that? Like, how did you how did you even think to, that that was something you should do? It's funny. I think. Yes. Okay. Wayne's World happened at a time where I had got, just gotten sober. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I'm now sober 25 years. Congratulations. Thank you. Very nice. Very nice. Get away from my vehicle. Um, and I think as part of that for me was a sort of letting go of a lot of stuff. And one of the things I let go of was what people thought about me. You know, trying to be trying to people please, yeah. Um, all of that stuff, and I just began to sort of follow my. It sounds really awful to say, but sort of follow my heart. Sounds so corny. Um, and do do the sort of footwork and get out of the results. So, right. in other words, enjoy the process, do it for the process, and let the chips fall where they may. As opposed to going, well, if I do this, it'll lead to that, and I think that this appeals more to the, all that bullshit. I just didn't do it anymore, and I think the the minute I started doing that, um, it it well I know it it opened totally new arenas for me creatively, and 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 Wayne's World was was the first movie I I think that I did with that mindset, and then that was a whole new I mean because it's you know what's so interesting is that you've been through so much and you've had so many different types of careers and you know you've had scandals and dips and high points and and, but you've you've every time you always manage to kind of just get up and dust off and wipe the dirt out of your eyes and be like okay what's next and i think there is something in that there is a valuable lesson for anyone who thinks oh no something's happened and my life is over or something has been going on and i'm in a period and how am i ever going to get out and so you know, is it really what you just said about I'm just going to start embracing this, you know, these things that make me happy? I mean, how do you what advice do you give to people to get up and dust themselves off and move forward? I, I, the main thing for me is I, I like if something bad happens, right? My first instinct is what can I do about it? What can I do better? What can I not do the next time? And I, I in, genuinely believe that it's a way forward. Mm-hmm. And that, but I see a lot of people whose first instinct is, I'm a victim. Uh, so, you know, society or others fucked me, mm-hmm. um, and poor me. 
And that's just not me. I mean, even 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 when I have been fucked over, I I don't go there. I don't go to the victim place. And 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 unfortunately, I think you see that so much in our culture. Yeah, like that that everybody everybody's oppressed. Everybody's put upon. Everybody's got um, people standing in their way, and it's just bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I honestly. The the thing that I try to say to people when they ask, like, oh, how do I, you know, I really want to achieve all this stuff. What do I do? And I go, look, you, with obviously with exceptions, there are things that you cannot control. There, you know, things can happen. Accidents can happen. People can get ill. I mean, there are things that are not in your control. Yes. But a percentage of your life is a direct result of the choices that you make. Yes. A direct result. And if you, and it's very hard to realize that because it's very hard to take responsibility for your shit. But if you just made better choices and even what you just did you asked like four really good questions what can i do to make what instead of going why does this always happen to me exactly because your brain will answer oh well you're a piece of shit you know what i mean if you go well what can i learn from this then your brain will give you those answers oh well don't do this don't do this here's how to move forward ask yourself better questions and look at your life and really see what you can change for the better that's 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 exactly you know you have to look to yourself everybody with the people who look to others are inevitably going to be unsatisfied. Yeah. And also, it's important to know what it is that you want so you know how to make yourself happy. Because if, if other people are determining what makes you happy, you're putting a lot of your ego into into the external world to make those decisions yeah. for you. And that's where you get really fucked. <laughs> you got it. I, I'm just impressed that you were probably, what, around 25 when you got sober? 26, yeah. Wow. That, I mean, that's... That is a uh, that is that is earlier than most people realize. I done a little dude. I uh, come on, come on. I, look, I did not get cheated on the research and development of. Uh, <laughs> did, did did you have a was it was it a, gr- a gradual because I've been over twelve years and I don't I didn't have wow. like one specific thing that happened where I was like. Oh no, I guess I have to it was just gradual and like ah, I probably shouldn't do this anymore. Did you have a thing or was it just was it just a, a series of choices? I had a, I had a, a series of incremental choices over a, a period of a year that even I was like mm. but, but like I but I <laughs> I do remember carrying in my wallet for a for a, the year previous the number of like a drug and alcohol inter- interventionist. I carried it in my wallet. Oh wow. So you your brain somewhere in your brain you knew I'm gonna yeah. need this. So when or the, later. when the day came, I had I, I it was I, I knew exactly what to do. I went to my wallet, pulled out the card, and made the call. Right. But like, can you imagine for a year carrying that? Or I don't. I mean, it was. I guess that you're unconscious, or you know, I don't know what made me do it, but I did. And uh, but no, I didn't ha- really have a overly dramatic moment. It was just. But 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 I when I, when I was done, I was done. I was truly done. I'd had it. I was over it. I'd, I'd sort of been there, done that, and. And that, that's the thing I always tell people, and I do. I spend a lot of time now um, talking to people about recovery who are interested, and particularly with adolescents and you know people who are youngish. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of youngish at twenty six. Um, you know, the, and the thing that I think gave me some success was I was ready. Mm-hmm. I wasn't doing it for my parents. I wasn't doing it to hold onto a job. I wasn't doing it because I was in trouble with the law. I wasn't doing it for anybody other than me, and. You, you know, until you're doing it for you, you're doomed. Yeah, it, it's very difficult because you will still always find a way to go back to that 
if you're not ready. And and it's unfortunate that most people have difficulty realizing, hey, you know, I'm worth it. I'm worth it to make these positive. I'm it's it's better for me, and I deserve to. Well, here's what's great: people used to say you need to work on your self esteem, and I'd be like. Great. What do I? Oh, so that sounds good. Well, um, how do I? How, you know, argument here. Where's the switch? How, how do I do that? Like, what do you do? Is it like, can I do push-ups? Can I like what? What is the? What exactly do you do? And I'm telling you, it's taken me honestly until 51 years of age to get what that is and what it is. And nobody ever told me this until somebody very special did tell me. Is it's you. The only way to work on your self-esteem is to to do self-esteeming behavior, mm-hmm. right? So if you're doing anything that that isn't esteemful to yourself, that isn't living in integrity, that isn't being that isn't being completely on all of those things, you're always going to have problems with your self-esteem. Sure. So I, I know that sounds simple, but I never I never got it because they throw that around all the time. Well, that guy he has very low self esteem. You know what his problem is? No self esteem. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, all right, well, how do you? It's like a chicken and the egg conversation, right? right. To me, that's well, it's, all, it's also it's also it's very demeaning too because it's almost like saying to someone uh, with a mental illness, uh, hey, don't be don't have yes, mental illness anymore. That's exactly what Why I'm don't saying. you just not have a mental illness? Like, yeah, oh, that'd be great. You think I don't fucking want that? That's exactly right. And and I so I, I learned that little that little thing is like day by day by day making the right choices. And I always like to try to do things my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, my thing is like I'd like to do some of that. Yeah, I'd like to make some right choices. I'd like to make some wrong choices too. <laughs> and I'd really like to do that. And and unfortunately, you can't. Right. Well, and I, but I think that's fine. I think it's okay to you know for people who are who are sort of questioning you know can I exist without being tied to this you know this substance or this other thing? And the answer is yes, you can. And it's it's different, but it's it's better. And I, I really came to embrace the concept of having real experiences as opposed to having experiences that were um, fake or clouded by a substance or conversations that weren't it's real. It's just good to remember them. It's nice to I like, remember I like things. Remembering them when I wake up. It's nice to remember things. It feels good to take responsibility for stuff. But it sounds like you have something in your DNA that makes you a survivor. Like you, you, you seem like you want to survive. Yes. Something in you wants to survive. No, I, I, I feel that. I do. I mean, I do. I, I feel that. I relate, I relate to that. That's my thing. Like, that's what I relate to. That's my ethos. That's, you know, my thing. Like, I'm, you know, I read Atlas Shrugged and I'm like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Other people read it and go, well, these people are crazy, you know, but I'm, uh, I'm the Atlas Shrugged guy. Yeah. But you also seem to make choices because you, cause you, you've been on a bunch of, you've been on a bunch of, I mean, you've been on so many different, your IMDb page. It's like you need to. I like. I need to take a break and then like go to the take a bathroom break and then come back and finish it. But it, but it seems like you know you'll work on stuff and when it seems like it's not fun anymore, you don't work on it anymore. No, that's. I've been really lucky to be able to sort of call my own shots in in that way in, in terms of when it's time to move on because inevit- inevitably everything has a creative high point. Sure, and then, and then you're just sort of retreading it. Yeah, and um. I find that for me on, on on television in particular, it's it's usually about at year four, mm-hmm. um, and that's doing twenty two episodes a year. Right. My guess is on cable when you do less episodes, it may be much longer than than four seasons. But um, 
But here's the thing. You know it when you see it. Like when you start reading the scripts that are stuck, you you know it as as a, an actor. And I've just been um, in, in different positions where I've been able to, to move on to the next thing. Um, Which is scary, too. I mean, it's like, you know, how do you... You you leave you leave a, sh- a hit show a show like West Wing or like yeah. wow well this show's a hit show people are watching it but you know what I'm not happy here anymore so I'm gonna go do something I think that is in on the on the on the surface of it it seems risky but in the way that you describe it it feels like no it'd be risky to not do that yeah. well and the other thing for that in particular for me my my kids were at a certain age where I was they were young enough that I was really trying to teach them the basics of life mm-hmm. and one of them is value yourself right. And, um, and, you know, for reasons that I go into, I think really well in my book and it's, it's sort of like when you ask, why did somebody divorce? It's very hard to do, to, to talk sure, about yeah, yeah, that of course. in, in a, in a condensed time frame. but I wasn't being valued there. Mm-hmm. And so I really couldn't look my kids in the face and talk about being valued if I was eating shit at work every day. Right. So, um, so I, I moved on and it ended up being the, well, the greatest thing ever because it led to great things for me. But, you know, then Aaron left, you know, five episodes after I left. And without Aaron Sorkin, there is no West Wing. (laughs) Right. Who writes that snappy dialogue if there's no... I mean, the the thought of being on the West Wing without Aaron Sorkin, that that would have been torture. Sure. And, you know, how many times have you been, though... Because when that many shows and people see, like, they see all your successes... You know, they, a lot of times people don't see how much work you put in and how many things didn't go and how many things oh, got right. close and yeah. how many – I mean, you when you have – you know, you have such a high success rate because you're up to bat a lot. You know what I mean? Right, like yeah. you, you're able to – but you're able to weather the stuff that – you know, and so when something doesn't work, even if you wanted it to work – Again, how do you, you know, how do you just sort of mentally put that aside and keep moving forward? I know. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, after Parks and Recreation was ending and we, we knew that we knew it was going to end because we knew what season it was, was. And, you know, so we had time to prepare all of us, everybody on the show. And I was trying to figure out what the next sort of train leaving the station would be. And, you know, I was developing two shows. They didn't really it didn't really work. I didn't, wasn't really happy with them and neither were my partners at the networks. And, you know, you, you just kind of, you throw a lot of stuff against the wall and, and, and do your best on all of it. And some of it's going to stick and some of it isn't. And, and I kind of believe like if you work hard for yourself, my, usually what you're doing may not work, but it will open the, the door. Sure. For something unexpected to come to you, which is what happened with the grinder, which is my new show. Yeah, I see the I, billboards for it with Fred Savage. It, it, yeah, it's everywhere, and it's so funny. And he's great too, by the he's way. He's amazing. But that's I was developing my own, my own, my own, and grinding it out. No pun intended. Those things didn't pan out, and the grinder showed up on my doorstep out of the blue, as if it had been written for me. And I believe it's because I was working so hard and trying to take control of my own destiny and doing the right. The footwork, as they say, yeah, um, that it it allowed the universe to present me with something that was even better. Yeah, you you kind of you set the table. You had to go through all the stuff that you went through to get. And sometimes it's very hard. It's very hard to, you know, when when you're getting kicked in the head to go. No, this this will have value at some point. I know, man. You know, if you're in a bad, if someone's in a bad relationship or a bad job or a bad something, and go, you know, I know it doesn't seem like it, but someday, if you were able to take the right lesson out of this 
you will be able to use this to your benefit. It'll make you stronger. It'll make you make better choices or something if you're willing to pay attention. Yeah. Uh, But I think there's also something to be said for people don't work as much as you do if they're dicks. Because the business, because the second the business yeah. doesn't need you anymore, if you're, you're a dick, you're done. No, it's unbelievable. And, and by the way, it says it should be. Um, but no, it, it's look. I was always the pleasure to have in class. I, I, I literally was. The, I literally was. I feel like I'm reading that on a on, a, on an, an evaluation that you'd got to. Rob is a pleasure to have. No, in I class. got it. I absolutely <laughs> did get that. And you know, I was always like sitting in the front row with my hand up. That's just who I was and that's who I still am in in terms of being a partner with people. I mean I I I I'm 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 enthusiastic, I'm into it, you know. Um I'm I'm not you know, I'm not afraid to embrace it for fear of looking like a, a nerd, you know. Yeah. Like I'm 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 all about it. So um yeah, I do I and I think that is one of the reasons why I'm able to 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 work as much as I do. But also uh I mean it to hear that you struggled with selfish because everyone looks up. I mean, I'm you know, there's the image of you up on the screen. And well, the you know, you know what I say about that. But never compare your insides to someone else's outsides. Oh, that's a good saying. That's yeah, my favorite one. That's a really good saying. Yeah, it's really good. Never it's- compare your insides to someone else's outsides. But I guess that's just a, you know, if you're but if but if you're seeing someone in two dimensions, that's all that's all you have, and especially now, there's so much that people are trying to process because there's so much information being thrown at us at all times that people just make the quick and easy choice. Oh, that person's about that. That dude's about that. That's what that lady's about without, because it's so much work and energy to take the time to really get to know someone. Who, yeah, and who can, who has the time? And one of the things that I, that I one of the reasons I wrote um, my first book, uh, stories I only tell my friends in the second <laughs> book, love life uh, was that if people read them and I didn't know if they would or they wouldn't, that they would really truly know who I am. And because you can't really get it. I mean, this is great to do something like this because this is fairly in-depth. There's not a producer counting us down and we can talk about whatever we want to talk yeah. about. And this is great. Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm no, glad this like is it. great. Um, but that's rare to be able to do that. And so people make snap judgments about me and nine times out of ten they get it wrong. Sure. Because the way I look. They go, oh, well, if he looks like that, he's got to be this. But but And by the way, it's not a it's not i'm not taking it personally i think we all do that we sure. all look at something and and by the way we have to judge things visually we ha- we have to at least put that into the equation yes but unfortunately a lot of times that's the only equation that yes. that, that we right. use and right. it's and it's very difficult and a lot of times it's you know it's people who are saying i don't want to be judged i don't want to be judged but that guy's a piece of shit and you're like <laughs> right, will right. you just Right. I mean, you know, right, right. I mean, when I, when I, when I was growing up, it was like, you know, like me and four other nerd kids, five other nerd kids who were in the, in chess club and in the computer lab and, you know, so adamantly upset that everyone else judged us for the shit that we were into, but then, but then also reciprocally judging, the, you know, and so whenever, That's whenever funny. I see anyone that rep, you know, that kind of looked like those like, oh yeah, but that guy's a dick, you know, yeah, like, it's funny. you don't yeah. know that. I mean, like if you really, honestly, if we really had the time. You know, it's so wonderful to be able to sit down and talk to people on a human level. And I think you would find that most people have – everyone has a story. You know, whether or not you can get it out of them is one thing. But, (laughs) you know, it's it's one of the reasons why I love having done 750 episodes of this show is just being able to sit down with people like you. And, wow, I didn't really know that. It's like, you know, well, they're a human being with feelings and dreams and insecurities and hopes. And how did they – you know, how did they get – But that's why what you do is so – is really truly like an important thing. And and to be able to – 
to and I and I love listening to your podcast and listening to oh thank to, you to hear my hear like to hear people who I love and and, and get to see them in a, in a in a different light is is it's 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 awesome it's a, but here's the good thing I've been around now long enough that I I and I don't know if it's I think it's a co- a combination of a lot of things length of time in the zeitgeist mm-hmm. some of the projects that I've chosen to do the books and that for the first time really I feel known yeah i feel seen heard understood known really for like, real like for real like with actual depth for real yeah like when i walk down the street and somebody says hey Ra, i feel like it's like they actually do get what i'm about right for the first time ever and it started it started about it started about th- three or four years ago that's so funny that it took that long it took that far into your career and it's also one of the things that makes me not you know, I guess, you know, within the last few years, of course, I was just freaking out about getting older and, you know, like I'm, I'll be 44 this year and, you it's know. Good. It's all good, man. It and, only gets and, better. And honestly, people that I talk to that are in their 50s and, and say like, you know, I, I've never felt more okay than I feel now and yep. I wouldn't trade all the shit that I went through just so that I could have this moment, you know, and just feel like, okay, like feel good and wise and happy. And that's the way I, I 47 is when it started for me. I remember it now. Uh, I don't know what it was about that number, but when, when I turned 47, I just felt like I was finally getting into, you know, my, my, my comfort zone, <laughs> which is what, what do you think your comfort zone is? I mean, if, you know, hap- fulfillment, happiness on, on every level, my, you know, Sort of where my where I was in my marriage, where I was with my kids, where they were in their lives, where I was with my career, um, where I was in terms of how people were embracing what I was doing, mm-hmm. all, all, all of it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also probably hard when you're in it too and you don't really see. But I just for so many years, I've always had the perception of like you know, especially since Wayne's World, like. Oh yeah, he's a good guy. Like, 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 good good guys make choices like that. Like, he's just a good guy. Well, see, I'm glad you get that because I that's sort of the way I perceive it. Because if the shoe were on the other foot, if I saw another act, like I watch other actors and I see some of their choices and I go, that guy's a genius. That's <laughs> so awesome that yeah. they're doing that. And and yet there's some people like, oh, he's the dick from Waynesville. That guy's a dick. You that's out there. Believe me, there are people that there are people that go. Right, and we're getting nods. Yeah, we're getting I mean, nods yeah, Kyle's not. Yeah, because yes, of course, there are people who see movies and think that everything's a documentary, and you're the character that you play. It's and, actually and... a surprising number. <laughs> it doesn't matter how <laughs> it is, and, and the reason, that, and, the, and the reason I know it is because uh, you know I'm very I'm very active on my my Twitter feed, and 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 people are like, I always thought you were the dick from Wayne's. I'm like, I was playing a character. Yeah, it was a. And you it was, know, the fact that I chose to do it was the. Dog whistle that I'm not a dick. You know, uh, Mike Myers didn't really do a public access show in a basement. Right, that was right. uh, just part of the like. Yeah, it's so funny that they accept well, I, them. I as have characters. people honestly say to me, "I've always hated you <laughs> since Tommy Boy." <laughs> <laughs> like you know, you you. So it was okay for everyone else to be get big comic characters in that movie, yeah. but I'm the one who's the actual dick. I'm telling you. It's unbelievable. Now, with that movie, you must—I'm sure. I'm sure with both of them, you you must have felt while you were doing it that there was something special happening because you don't always know. But did you did you did you feel it at that time? I, Tommy Boy is one of those ones where I had 
I actually did not know. Wayne's World, I knew. Wayne's World, I definitely knew. We were doing something funny and fun and could break out. I never thought it would be as big as it was. But Tommy Boy, I just thought we were making a, a you know another movie. I, I I didn't know how well it would turn out. I didn't know how much heart it would have. It has t- so much heart, which I think is the key to it. Yeah, and which is why people still really do love that movie. Yeah. Um, and of course, there was no way of knowing that you know it would be the high watermark for Chris Farley, right? You know, so who people still love and um, that. But that was I, I look back really fondly on on that one. But people do think I'm a dick because I was in it. <laughs> but you, but even the you know even the direct TV commercials, I was like, yeah, this guy knows how to make fun of it. Like he know he it's that you wouldn't do that if you if you didn't have that thing in you that was that had some awareness and you were able to play with it. Yeah, it's, that's that's the that's exactly the what goes into it. Um, you know, it's funny people. It here's what I learned about comedy. What's really weird is that. Even when people like it, very few people can articulate why they like it. Sure. Right? So in it, what I've learned is if people say they think I'm funny, I should stop the conversation right there. <laughs> I got to go. Because, because, <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Got to go. Because the minute they tell me why they think I'm funny, they're going to say something that makes me really depressed. <laughs> like what? Like, <laughs> like the phrase um, – he doesn't take himself seriously or he make or he pokes fun at himself, right? Which I get why people say it. Right. And I don't look, I'm not pretentious. I don't like people who are. I'm not self-serious. Yeah. But the jump of not taking yourself seriously. Right. If I didn't take myself seriously, I'd still be getting loaded. Of course. Do, of do, course. Do, do, do you know what I mean? No, I, I, I 100% understand if, what if you I mean. Didn't, if I didn't take myself seriously, I wouldn't be spending investing as much as I did in raising my family. I mean, I take myself really seriously. I, so do, do you know what I'm saying? Yes, and I, they, and they've misplaced is, is, what the definition mis- of self is. They've misplaced. That phrase is misused. We need a better phrase. There, there are actors out there who don't take themselves seriously and they hack it up and they do whatever's asked of them and they're big ham bones yeah. and they'll wear a, a fucking clown hat and do anything for a lot. Those are actors who don't take themselves seriously. Right. Um, I think what we're talking what we're talking about is the the ability to do to do who, somebody who's self aware and to do parody and satire. This is by the way we've gone way into the weeds in this, but but it is it is a little thing that that, that, that drives me a little. Well, bit it crazy. is you know I think I think I think when they say to take so seriously, it's like this character that they see that your your work that you're willing to you know play with the archetype of yes. what they think. Because now that that I mean I'm down I'm totally down for that description because it is kind of weird like being being as an attractive person as you are is actually can be v- detrimental in some ways particularly with comedy because I think people if they feel threatened in any way they the walls go up right you know what I mean and if they see a guy who's more attractive than they are oh well what. The fuck kind of problems is that guy possibly, you know, because they can't imagine that you're a human being with feelings and thoughts and right, depth right, no, and, right, right, and, right. And, and and cracks and you know, it's, it's so it's like oh, you know, because they, because we as an audience feel insecure about ourselves, and so it's I think you know I wouldn't take that as personal because I feel like that's more of a statement about where the person is coming from in their life than anything that has to do with you because obviously they don't they don't no, know no no it's it's really it's really really true and and it, you know and I'm, and I'm getting. It's it's a current thing on my mind because of the way the the good news is of the way the grinder is being received and and I'm playing a character that is 
that one could see as being similar to me. He's a he's a, he's a narcissistic, self centered, um, giant television star, and <laughs> I definitely have that somewhere in me. Uh, but it's not a documentary. Not a documentary. How do you know? It's pretend. Um, and people are digging it. So I'm, I'm, there's a lot of talk of like where 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 does the truth begin, and you know, and, and where is it? But you just you know, like, but I think people do understand at this point. I think you have more than proven. Like you couldn't hang on it. You couldn't hang in Wayne's World, and you couldn't hang on Tommy Boy, and you wouldn't be able to hang in a show like Parks and Rec with some of the best improvisers in the world if you didn't deserve it. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, no. Thank you, 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 Thank you, 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 maybe you would get one shot, but it would never happen again. But it wouldn't be thing after thing after thing. Like people wouldn't keep putting you in that position if you couldn't hang. No, I've been. And I think so, people understand that. Oh, now listen, I've been so lucky that comedy is. Such a cyclical young man's business, it seems to me. And at every sort of generation, I've been so blessed to be embraced by people. I mean, for it was it was Lorne first. Mm-hmm. You know, he he's one of the people that that defies uh, it being a young man's business. And then it was Mike and Dana, and then it was Chris and 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 Spade, and then it was Ricky Gervais, and then it was you know Amy Poehler, and that and it just it just keeps sort of moving forward and it's so it's it's fun to be sort of you know a part of of each wave that comes up i mean honestly you you know it's not an accident that you work with that many comedically genius people i mean i think if you sort of look at the data points by proxy it's sort of like oh well oh wait a minute did you see any consistency with with any with all of them like now that you sort of look back you go oh for you know for someone who's a a, a comedy uh genius there must be a this or this or this. Like, what's what's the through line with all the those? The through people? line is wickedly smart, wickedly smart. I've never met anybody who was funny who wasn't brilliant. I've never met a stupid person that was smart ever. So there's that. Yeah. And um, tremendous work ethic. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's one other. What was it? Smart work ethic. Oh, and fearless. Yeah. Fearless. Do not. Will do anything. Chris Farley was. I mean, the stuff he would do for for a laugh. He was. I mean, there's no vanity in comedy. It's like when my, my here's my barometer. If if I pitch something to my wife that I think is funny and she doesn't laugh, I do it. <laughs> because her whole thing, and it's why I love her. She never wants me to look bad. Right. Oh, that's such. It's so genius that you're able to recognize that. Right. That you. That that's 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 your. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna aim for the for wind. Yeah. No. She and you know she's petrified of her beloved husband looking like a fool or looking like an idiot or looking like an idiot, and and you can't live there and survive in comedy. So if it makes her nervous, I know that I'm in the right place. Well, I mean, you know, look, just so you know, and obviously this is going to sound very uh, kiss-uppy because you're here, but it's just an observation. But everything that you described about those other people, I mean, you were describing yourself at the same time. Wow, I mean, like, you, you know, you, 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 again, you can't be in the proximity of that without being, you know what I mean? Like, maybe once – but not, you know, for 25 years mm. without having that, too. Those people just they're, – a lot of comics are just too narcissistic. They wouldn't put their necks out for you if, you, if they didn't feel like you could hang with them. You know what I mean? No, so thank you. It's, it's kind of a – I hope when you look back at your career that you understand that, that it's like 
you're not just supporting these other funny people. Like you're you're with them, you know. Like you're you're co-conspirator. No, thank you. Uh, that that's that's a that's a an honor to think about with that group. And I mean, even that that Parks and Rec cast. When you, geez, I mean, when you look back and think of who was on that show already, and it's only. I mean, it, by the way, it's nominated for an Emmy this weekend. Yeah. Our, our little show, our little canceled show is nominated for an Emmy. And, and but you look at it and go, God, we could never get those people back on television again. Right. It was just the right time for all of, to pull all of them together. Yeah. And then everyone blew up. Blew up. <laughs> Aziz, so, Aziz is playing like multiple shows at Madison Square Garden. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> Aziz. I know. He's the guy who asked for you know where to get the best Indian food from. Oh, and now best like, any food, best, best any food. That guy, if you're in any city and you have Aziz uh, Ansari's phone number, you should text him and go, "I'm in, uh, I'm in Dubuque. Where where is the best Ethiopian food?" And he'll he tell you. Such an amazing foodie. He's unreal. Yeah, he's a he's a good guy. But it just it seems like a good, you know. And I think that's the other thing. At a certain point. Is realizing like you know the business is hard enough. We don't have to make it harder by creating drama. It's it's fun that we get. To, it's silly that we get to do this shit that right. we get to do. It's so it's almost dumb that we get to go play. We go get to play. So how do we you know how do we keep it as fun? How do we keep it as fun as possible? It, you know that starts with the leadership on each show. Yeah, because I, I, I've I've been on shows where it's deadly, deadly, deadly. And like you feel like. Everybody thinks they're curing cancer, right? And, <laughs> really, and it's like, oh, and then, and then, and it starts with the, the the people at the top, the executive producers, if it's television, and or and whoever is number one on the call sheet, yeah. And um, you know, you just it's like anything else. It's, it's it's who are your bosses? Yeah, yeah. And I this is a this is a reminder that uh, television and dare I even say film are. Not the most important things in the world. They're no fun. kidding. No they're, kidding. In, they're supposed to be entertaining, but they're not the most important things in the world. No, and and look, I'm struggling with it because my my um, my youngest son is very. Both my sons are amazingly smart. My 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 oldest is going to law school next year, and my youngest is is, is was the youngest published stem cell researcher. Jesus, uh, in in the country, and. Um, He's up at Stanford, and now he's thinking maybe he wants to be an actor. <laughs> and you know, you gotta let him know. Here's the thing: it's like, yeah, sure. The world doesn't need any more smart people. It needs more people wearing makeup for a living. That's that's what the world is screaming out for. I didn't put on makeup for forty years so that you. Could put on makeup. That's exactly. That's exactly. Go it. make stem cells. Yeah. No, it's un- unbelievable. But you know, I think you know what I think is kind of cool about that though is, you know, if he tries it, he tries it. You know, and then if if it if it speaks to him, he'll pursue it. And yep. if not, then he won't. And you know, like stem cell research is not a bad fallback. <laughs> and uh, and also, I think it it gives depth too. It gives de- it gives depth. Like I, I always love hearing about you know. Sometimes we'll have people on who are musicians, and you've like the guy from a uh, uh, Dexter Holland from The Offspring came on the podcast. I didn't know what to expect until I did a bunch of backstory on him, and he's uh, he's a scientist who's a, who's involved with AIDS research. See, that's and yeah. so and then you go, oh wow, and how much depth? Like here's a guy who was making one kind of thing, and then you find out this whole other thing about him, and he's actually helping him, and it it just makes you. It just makes you love people even more when you find out they're multidimensional. Yeah, that's that's that is true. I'll, I'll remember that as he uh, 
puts his makeup on. <laughs> if he even gets it, he, you know, you know, you have to prepare him for the the audition process is probably harder than stem cell research. No, it's that's more... by the way, it is that is true. I was it's... like, okay, we'll see, we'll see how you like it when they say nah, you know, or whatever. Sorry, you're an inch too short. What? Yeah. But I did a good reading. That doesn't really. That's secondary. Yep, you know, it's no. it's nice. It's nice that you can do that. Do you do you ever have to audition for anything anymore? I'm trying to think. I mean. I actually, first of all, I actually like audition. You do? Why? I do. I like it. Because I, I, again, you know, I feel like pound for pound, let me at them. Yeah. I figure like, do you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, no, let's let, bring in, you know, whoever else and let's, let's, let's test and compare. Uh, so I, I like that stuff. <laughs> um, that said, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty rare. I mean, I, I, I can't even think of the last time I did it. Um, but I, I would do it, and, 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 and I'm, I'm asked to do it. There's definitely certain things you're still asked to do. Oh, that's good, though. That, you know, that, it, what's nice about that is it makes it feel like it's about the work. Because I certainly envision, you know, I think it would be easy to be like, oh, I don't have to do that anymore? Great. Done. I'll just go right to the set. I don't care. I don't need to, you know, go in front of a room and have a, 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 a bunch of stone-faced people judge me while I try to tap dance for them. Yeah, I mean, on the the other side of it, though, is this, is is the when you have been around as long as I have been, it's like you kind of know what I can do, right? Right. So there's, there's a little bit of like, really? Yeah. So do you think I can be funny? Well, you can look at this, this, and this. So you think you can do dialogue? You can look at West Wing or whatever it is. So it's out there to be done, yeah. but I'm still willing to come in and do it because I just enjoy it. And I, right. and I like – I had to read for the West Wing. I mean I, I auditioned for that. And and everybody I think who works for Aaron has to audition because it's a very specific skill set. Oh do. my god, what a stressful audition that must have been with just oh, like two page monologues brutal. and like crazy rep. And, and I'm sure you have to stick every. Everything. It has to be – you can't really riff, I would imagine, because it has to be done exactly the way that he makes it. Exactly the way he makes it. And it's one of those things that if – it's 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 sort of like a gymnast when they do the dismount. Like if it has to be – if you fuck it up at all, it's over. Yeah. And it has to look effortless so and, and easy. And um, and, and, and that was, that was a, a highlight, that audition. I mean it was really fun. Um, and, I, and I like – I love it. I love doing that. I mean I'm – but then again, you get the, the like the weird call out of the blue, like from Steven Soderbergh, who I'd never met, huge fan, and and he calls out of the blue and says, you know, do this Liberace movie. I don't know why he thought of me. I don't know. Any, <laughs> never. I mean, my agents and hey, there's a little worth talking about Steven Soderbergh. Nothing. It was out of the blue, and you know, behind the candelabra ends up being a a really fun thing for me. Well, yeah, and then also. You know, that's where you really need – I imagine you really need someone like Steven Soderbergh when the movie is going so so kind of big in one direction. You're like, you have to be able to trust the guy. Okay, you're going to be able to – this is all going to make sense, you know? Like when you were shooting it, did it, did it feel like a, like a giant stage play? What did it feel like? Well, he's such a genius. He – there's a lot of talk people uh, people say about well the director cuts in his head as they say which basically means he only shoots exactly what is going to be on the screen mm-hmm. and the, my very first day I did a scene with Michael as Liberace that where we meet at a doorway and hug and kiss and he invites me in and we shot my side of it and then as we're about to turn around to do Michael's I assumed Stephen goes okay that's it next scene he didn't even shoot Michael oh wow didn't even shoot him. Because he knew what he wanted in the movie was the door opening, my crazy looking face, 
and Michael saying, come in, and then we cut to the next scene. Any other director on the planet shoots Michael and and has other options, and, and not, <laughs> but not Steven. He he knows what he wants, and he moves quick. It was really amazing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's incredible. I yeah. don't think a lot of people – I think some people might be forced to do that for budgetary reasons, but certainly not at the Steven Soderbergh level where you could shoot a shit ton of stuff. Well, and, and how about this? How about not shooting your star? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, Michael, we don't need you. Rob Lowe just came in for a couple of days. Yeah, he's the only guy we need. Great. We're moving on. So no Liberace in this one? No Liberace? Yeah. Okay, no. great. Okay, good. Unbelievable. Yeah, good. Cut it. Print. Actually, but if you just watch Liberace, you're like, I, I don't think Michael Douglas is actually in that at all. He just cut him around him yeah, the right. entire It was just everyone else reacting to Liberace. Yeah. I think it would be, be fun to – have you ever thought about uh, – have you done a lot of like old Western type oh, stuff? I would love to. Because I, I think I think you'd be great in like a tombstone. Oh, like like a bring it on, man. Would you be Would you be like a Wyatt Earp or like a Doc Holliday? Like well, Val as Doc Holliday in that movie is one of my favorite performances ever. I mean, I can't imagine the first day on set he started doing that. Well, I'm your Huckleberry, and everyone going, "What the Huckle. fuck is he doing?" And then you see it, and you're like, <gasps> "Oh yeah." You you know when you talk about listen so here's the thing if you if you have a western out there I'm your man um, <laughs> but what, here's what I've always wanted to be I've always wanted to be in the Disney screening room the day they see the very first rushes of Johnny Depp doing that pirate oh yeah <laughs> because what they want is Jake Gyllenhaal and the Prince of Persia right. That's what they want. Right. They don't want Keith Richards. They don't know they want no. Keith Richards. No, and what they get is that. I mean, and I, I honestly believe that's the greatest acting choice of my lifetime. I really do. Oh, Johnny Depp as, as Jack Sparrow? Doubt, without a doubt. I mean, it's easy to look back on it now and go, yeah, I know, it was great. He's brilliant in it. And, uh, but you have to understand what was at stake. This is a billion-dollar franchise, this and that, and they want hot Johnny, hotty hot man. Yeah. As the swashbuckling pirate. Right. And he gives them that. <laughs> <laughs> when everyone else is playing it totally straight, and then he comes on, I was his I mean, honestly, it, it, it's like that is. And, and, and you know what? Guess what? The lesson is the rest is history. Well, yes, because if, he's, he's certainly another guy who was probably in a very similar situation who, to, to you, who was like, oh, people see me as this. So the way that I'm going to show them who I am is to do this, this other thing. Which we get, and that's all great. That's great if he's like in some Sundance indie movie. This is like Disney, <laughs> Jerry Bruckheimer, Bob Iger. Do you know what I mean? That takes a lot of balls. Well, he was just – he was very fortunate that he was at a point in his career where he could call that shot and yes. not have someone go – because who's going to tell him at that point not to do that? Well, and I also think just knowing what little I know of Johnny, who is hilarious, he's like – Okay, let's get real. I'm doing a movie about an amusement park ride. Right. If I'm going down, I'm going down <laughs> swinging. As hard as possible. Yeah. Yeah, because they, they tried a couple other. It was a Haunted Mansion movie. It was a Haunted Mansion movie. Yeah. That was what he was following up. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I, 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 I get the calculus. I so know what the calculus was. But still, it's ballsy to do it. I don't, have you been to Disneyland lately? I haven't. Oh my god! What is it now? Is it is they, it Pirates of the Caribbean now all Johnny? It's they, they've they've woven him in, right? They've woven him in, uh, and they've woven Davy Jones in a little bit. It, it's still basically the same good ride, but there's just little pieces here and there where you can see the animatronics are a little updated, and he's he's hiding in a couple places. And at the very end, and what can I? I can only imagine he must have been paid an exorbitant amount of money to come in for thirty seconds. 
But you, when you're le- finishing the ride and you're going up the incline, it's him in a cave of treasure just rocking back and forth like, Yo-ho, drink up your hearties. Yo-ho. He says like three <laughs> things that sound so like... We got it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. My favorite is the uh, is Harrison Ford in the Indiana Jones ride. As much <laughs> as as many times as I've been to Disney, I, and I defy any listener, if you can tell me what exactly he's saying. It's all right, kid. You're exactly. Right. I I've tried. Every time I go to Disneyland, all I'm interested in is is that this will be the time where I'm going to figure out what the fuck Harrison Ford is saying. You kind of hope the ride breaks down at that point. So yeah. you, but it's something to the effect of like all I've ever heard is. Hey kid, you're all right. Man. Like there's no, I don't know kid. I can hear kid. I don't know what happened. I don't fucking what is this guy? Don't talk to me. And then I wonder, maybe it isn't Harrison. I don't. Maybe think that's it is. why. I don't it's think like it is. Sound alike. I think it's an a pro. I think because I think they would have nailed the face a little bit more. I think they've done an approximation of Harrison Ford, and I don't think it's the actual. I don't think it's the actual voice. It's. It, I'm. Fa- I'm a little bit obsessed with it. Yeah, I think it's a. I. I think. I think he. I don't know. I don't know anything about him personally. I think he really turned a corner after he landed the plane on the golf course, right? Because at Comic Con this in previous times he was crotchety, and at Comic Con this year he was very gracious and uh, and got choked up and was very excited to be there for Star Wars. And That's I think awesome. he had some sort of. So I can't imagine in, in the old days of him coming in and doing all the voices for uh, for the Indiana Jones. Yeah, That's not a call you want to make as an agent. <laughs> what? Why the fuck would I do that? Why the fuck would I do that? But now I'd be like, oh, please, let me... It's my legacy. Do you want I'm me to stand to there? I'm happy to it's stand the there at the end of the ride, you know, for the kids. Yeah. Uh, but the grinder is... Uh, do you want to... Wh- wh- what time... Wh- what's the What's the information? The grinder is on Fox um, starting on the 29th uh, at, at 8.30. So it's Tuesdays at 8.30. Tuesdays at 8.30. And um, I, I have to say, it's, it is really... It's, it's a very odd, in, in a great way... I'm shocked it's on network television, honestly. <laughs> um, it's just a really great world and l- truly laugh out loud funny. Each script I get, I-, I laugh out loud. Well, thank you so much for being so open and for also eh, not, not not just making fun comedy choices and being a lot of things that were influential to us, but also just being a good person <laughs> and help and showing people that they can make their lives better if they make positive choices. Yeah. If they just had self-esteem and they could just... How do I do it again? What just do I do? do it. You Is just it like push-ups? You ju- it's a couple of push-ups, I think. It's like three to five push-ups. Yeah, it's like getting your oil checked. You the just got to go in and do you it. You just got to go in and do it. Come on, guys. That's right. And also ask good questions and make healthy choices and, and give a shit about right, yourself. Right, right. And those would be nice to people around you. Right. And make choices that are good for you. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Rob Lowe. Thank you. This was amazing. We'll do it again. Oh, I would love to. Please come yeah, back. No, we have to. This is great. Please, please. For enjoy sure. your burrito, everyone. For sure. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. Behind every successful business is a story, and some of them might surprise you. Like how Chobani's first yogurt factory was discovered on a piece of junk mail, or how the founder of the multi-million dollar cosmetics brand Drunk Elephant was told by everyone, including her own mother, that the name sounded like a dive bar. I'm Guy Raz, and on my show, How I Built This, I talk to founders behind the world's biggest companies and brands to learn the real stories of how they built them. In each episode, you'll hear entrepreneurs share moments of doubt and failure and talk about how they were able to overcome them on their way to the top. How I Built This is like a masterclass in innovation and creativity, a how-to guide for navigating life's challenges 
from the people who've done it all. Follow How I Built This on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to How I Built This early and ad-free right now on Wondery Plus.